This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Jam-packed week once again, and it's lead-up week, if you want to call it that. Less than Six a week days. to go till we go outdoors. Tim Hortons Field, Monday night. It is the Generals and Bulldogs going at it. I think it's no surprise that that's our featured game. So we'll just reveal it now and get to it later. We'll see. Uh, but that will be for sure a, another one of your game day previews live from the venue. Uh, we will get that going for sure. And it's just maybe look back at OHL outdoor memories. And I don't know if we do that next show after the game's already happened or when we do it, but I think that'd be a good idea kind of get going. And I know there really hasn't been a whole lot of selection, but <laughs> something yeah. worth noting. Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just kind of thinking out loud as I'm talking, introducing the show. Good, good job, Reese. Uh, Again, I'm thinking out too. <laughs> as we go throughout the show, this is what we are going to discuss. Of course, our featured game from this past week, the Flint Firebirds and Guelph Storm doing battle at the Sleeman Center this past Sunday. We will start off with that. And then, of course, weekend observations or weekly observations, one of them. Pick one. doesn't matter to me. Uh, we will chat about that before we hit the first break. Then we'll get into suspensions. Uh, something different. Wasn't all players this week. Uh, we got one coach who ended up getting a two-game suspension. So we'll touch on that as well. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> I saw it on the website. I'm like, oh, that's For new. <laughs> all right. Yeah, must have been something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then, of course, we did it last week. We did over-under for the top 10 uh, scores at the time, of course. Uh, what the over-under kind of was for them for goals. Uh, we're going to do that with the goaltenders this week. Uh, top 10 in wins. Where do they all It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because a good point that was pointed out to me, and it's a topic that kind of caught my eye on the week. The games are starting to get closer, right? So the goals are going to start to go down. So that was actually intriguing because we're going to see the shift here. Maybe goal production will go down. Will wins go down? So to say, because some teams are getting hot. Some teams are getting cold right now. So that's the thing that's the big topic, I guess, for goaltending to see how many wins are going to get the over under. Will the team continue to play to have success or will they drop at a successful range? So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, of course, we'll get to the players of the week, games to watch, and then as well, uh, the featured game for next week, outdoors, generals and bulldogs. But we will start in Guelph. Sleeman Center, it was a 5-1 Flint Firebirds victory over the Guelph Storm. And 5-1 really doesn't tell you what the game was all about because, you know, Flint dominated period number one. I'm not taking that away from them it was three nothing after 20 minutes uh they were outshot but yeah you put three goals on the board yeah you're in control quality um, over quantity exactly and then you look at the second period and if you want to base it off the shots 14 for the guelph storm only six for the firebirds and there was a lot more sustained pressure uh, i thought in the offensive end by the guelph storm of course there was a solid fight nice tilly to get things going five and a half minutes into period number two, Brennan Othman, uh, Luke Profaka going at it. Kind of thought you would spark, it would spark the Guelph storm. 
did a little bit for the time being. They got that one goal in the second. They outscored Flint one nothing in the second period. Uh, but then it'd be the Firebirds adding two in the third uh, to win it five to one. Quickly go over the scoring summary uh, before we get to your thoughts, Wardy. Getting it started, twelve seconds in. Uh, Dimitri Kuzman's eleventh of the year. Ethan Cap and Ryland, Riley Piercy getting the two assists. 727 mark of the first. Ethan Keppen gets his 15th. That was an unassisted goal, uh, which would be the eventual game winner. Then to round out the scoring in period number one, 1448 mark. Dimitri Kuzman gets his second of the game, 12th of the year. Uh, Sahil Panwar, former London Knight, getting the assist on that shorthanded goal. As I mentioned, heading into the second, it was a Guelph Storm getting the only tally of the period. Uh, Valentin Jugan gets his 12th of the year. Braden Bowman and Cam Allen, one of Mr. Ward's favorite defensemen hey, in the Ontario Hockey star. League. We're going to talk about him for sure. <laughs> uh, kid's a star. Head to the third, 10:52 mark. Brendan Othman, goal number 37, following a period that saw him go to the locker room to deal with a fingernail issue as well as a puck to the face. Uh, yeah, so interesting period, period for him. Yeah, but gets it going in the third with his 37th. Uh, Amadeus Lombardi, Flint's candidate right now for a nail bracket in the summer. <laughs> That's a dark horse. That might be a that might get a round win. That might win a couple yeah, of rounds. Right. Although this one's think not, of that. This think one's of not that. bad either. Simon Slavicek. I like that. Yeah, as well. a, yeah. Not bad. Yeah, then you got and then you get the tag Bertuzzi. Yeah. So big Bertuzzi fans over Bertuzzi. here. Yeah, Bertuzzi's, Bertuzzi's uh, not really a favorite. I wouldn't say he's in the conversation, but he's a wild card. Yeah, oh yeah. I would say on the Flint Firebirds, the name bracket. Uh, speaking of Slavicek, he finished the scoring uh, with 33 seconds left to go. His sixth of the year from Tag Bertuzzi and Luca D'Amato. That rounds out the scoring for this one. Five to one, the final for Flint and Morty. Uh, what do you see from this game? What are your thoughts overall uh, on a nice road victory for the Firebirds? Well, Guelph had chances. That's for sure. Guelph, I mean, they outshot him every period, but the third, obviously the third's most important, but the third, it was kind of out of hand at that point. So it was a good game though for you. I thought, I thought Guelph really competed hard to be honest. The score wasn't, you wouldn't think that five one, but I mean, they won puck battles. They got the puck down low. They won battles. And I mean, they kind of self-created some bounces in that second period to get back on the score sheet, right? Get back in the game, right? Make it 3-1. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we, go. we got a game. I mean, out shoot them 14 to 6 in the period. I mean, that's that's a good that wasn't, that, period. That's not home. even like that's an eight shot separation, but yeah. it felt larger than eight. <laughs> not a big deal. Mouth guy. I know, that's right? A math guy, move out of boy. I can't Attaboy. believe I that. that Somebody circled the calendar. Reese did that. I just shut that one out. Hey, March 7th. As <laughs> <laughs> we record on Monday night, <laughs> but hey, out of play. But yeah, what a! I mean, I thought Guelph really performed well. To be honest, for the five-one game, it was not a five-one game to actually watch the game. It was closer than it was closer than what it looks on paper, to say the least. But the Flint Firebirds battled, and I mean, they had a tough loss the night before on Sunday night or on Saturday night in Erie. That was a tough loss, right, for them. And I mean, they've been dominating Erie this year. And then they get that loss. That's a tough one in Erie. And uh, a very good comeback, right? Flynn had a lot of stuff going on throughout the week. And then a very good way to end their weekend. 
with a massive win on the road on a back-to-back. That's huge for them. I mean, really good start. We talk about the importance of a good start all the time because it's the most important thing of the game. You score first, you're in control of the game, right? And that Dimitri Kuzman, I tell you, the Winnipeg Jets draft pick, what a star they have there. Oh, my. He gets the puck and it's gone. Like, he's a quick skater with the puck. Very good first two steps. And, I mean, as a defenseman, that's very important to have a good step, a good first step, get up on the get up on the attackers, force them back on their heels. And he does that perfectly throughout the game. Um, really good release. The first goal was kind of nice. You trickle through, right? It's a tap-in right behind Oster. Hey, that's a nice goal. We'll take those. A defenseman, a defenseman in front of the net, you're kind of lost up there. It's like, oh, no, what do you do? Sometimes they panic, but, I mean, he and that net. So, nice, no mistake there. And uh, very well-deserving for the first star, I thought, in that game. I mean, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but questionable questionable stars, I would say. But I thought Kuzman was very well-deserving. And uh, Luke Cavillan, Luke Cavillan, the goaltender for the Flint Firebirds, this is a guy where you see him all the time on the ratings of the goalies of the week, right? You see him all the time, the honorable mention, if he doesn't win it, he's always in the top three. He's always mentioned. And he has improved his game leaps and bounds from a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. I mean, pre-COVID, right? He didn't get the chance. Popovich was there, but he didn't really get the chance for the ice time. And now that he's the guy, you're starting to see him steal games. Um, he looks calm. He looks poised for a right-handed catching of Sometimes those goalies, it looks like they're all over the place, right? You see Josh Rosen swag in Niagara. Sometimes it looks unorthodox, but Luke Cavill is very smooth. It's very, it's very rare to see a right-handed catching goaltender so technical. You really yeah. don't see that. And it's interesting to see, but very, uh, very, very good performance for Luke Cavill. And congrats to him for changing his game so much because he was good before. He was highly touted, right? And everyone knew what his – potential was and now he's really living up to that now he's being the chance so it's just one of those stories where it's like and if you're a scout in this year's draft right we've talked about this on the show too if you're going to talk about guys in the draft this year you have to be a share of it you have to really do your research from the guys from four from rounds four to seven right really do your research watch the players they're playing third line but third line minutes right now third to fourth line maybe a healthy scratch well some players are in a very tough spot right i mean brody crane Brody Crane for a lot of nights, a show guest, not a big deal. He's been in and out of the lineup now, right? It's playoff time. They're going to start going quote-unquote big boy lineups, right? London Knights, they need wins. They're going to start going with the big lineups. He's a guy where if he's in another system, he's a top six player. He's a, he's a top six player. He's playing all the time. He, that's, where, that's where you see Brody Crane all over draft boards in the top from rounds three to six. You'll see that all the time, right? And we kind of saw it too with another show guest, not a big deal, Gavin Bryant, right? Gavin Bryant playing on the, he was playing on that third line center, which is very important. It's a very important job. That third line center role is very important. That's a shutdown line. That's a defensive line. So he does all the little things, right? You watch him win battles. That's a big thing. Scouts, real scouts are listening to this. They know that's a, that's a major thing to get drafted. That is a major compete level that you look at. So, you watch it then tonight, uh, Monday night, he gets a chance to play on that top line. He goes out and has three points through the two periods. That's a, I mean, he, you know, he's got the skill. We saw it all the way up. You know, he has the skill to put up points. Let's see how he is defensive wise. Let's see how structured he is. And you see it. 
Perfect. Yeah, talk about a wild one. Six goals in the first period in Owen Sound on Monday night. That was, we had that on watching it. It was, it was interesting to watch. Fun, a lot of goals, big fan of that. But, yeah, definitely a lot of pucks beating goaltenders Monday night. So, yeah, I mean, we might as well get into that because it will be part of our uh, weekend or weekly observations. Uh, again, final score, 5-1 for the Flint Firebirds over the Guelph Storm in our featured game. Uh, three stars. They yeah. were at it again uh, on Twitter. They were trending. Uh, just to give everyone an idea of who the three stars were from uh, Sunday's featured game. This is not OHL and 60 approved. Uh, Dimitri Kuzman, first star. There's no surprise there. Expected that for sure. Uh, second star. Nothing against Profac at all. Uh, he gets second star honors. Um, did not have a point in the game. So that's where I kind of little off on that one. Big fight, definitely big fight against Othman. Got his team going in that yeah. second period, but for second star, I don't know about that. And then Luke Cavillan gets third star. We think he should be up at least at number two, stopping 31 of 32 Guelph shots. And like we said, Guelph had opportunities to score, and this man was just on point all afternoon. So, um, yeah, I, as much as you can say, just get rid of them don't have them as part of the game anymore. You made the great point, Wardy, that a lot of teams, if not all teams, use it as a sponsorship and marketing tool to get a little more revenue. You, like, yeah. I don't know one center that doesn't have three stars sponsored. sponsored. Just yeah. again, it's another, when you lose a season and have no revenue at all, you're going to take anything you can get. So from that standpoint, I can see them all of hockey. This isn't just the Ontario Hockey League. This is just me speaking about hockey everywhere. I can see it from that standpoint, keeping that revenue stream open. But at the same time, you have to start realizing when something isn't working and you need to fix it or I don't know. What are we like, – well, what's going on? Here's, here's the thing. It's a really good tool because the fans want to see them come out. A mm -hmm. lot of teams, and Mike Stubbs tweeted this really good on Monday afternoon, a very intriguing tweet because he mentioned how a lot of teams, they have pucks, right? They have sticks. They have memorabilia that they give yeah. away. Go wild to get that memorabilia. A lot of memorabilia collectors, right? You see a lot of nights on Twitter, Coulter's uh, Pharmacy, get the stick right autograph stick from a player you see that all the time from multiple different teams yeah, i mean niagara with the pizzas you see it a lot so and you kind of got to do it a certain way i mean mm -hmm. there's pros and cons to the three stars the pros we can start with i guess reese because i think the one big thing is yes you have people there with memorabilia collecting memorabilia people want to see the three stars they want to know who the media think are the three stars that's what it is. They want to know who the people think are the three stars picking it. Who are the three stars in the game? Because it's something that people talk about. They interact about that. People have conversations about the three stars of the game, right? We're having it right now. You talk about the three stars. Everyone, I mean, as much as you hate the three stars, you always talk about it. You're right. You, it, yeah. it, you always talk about it. You can watch it. You can watch a 5-1 game and the first thing will be, oh, Profak is the second star. They lost 5-1. 
didn't get a point. And that was my reaction. That was my reaction. That was kind of odd. But I'm talking about it. So it, it actually brings a lot of attention to the league and mm-hmm. to the teams itself. And two, it kind of grows a game with you getting collectibles, right? Actually seeing your hometown players skate out. I can kind of well, that's, that's the thing. How many kids do you see hovering around the tunnel after games? Well, yeah, the players find it, right? The players yeah. find it. You see players skate across the ice sometimes with sticks. But it's odd, you know, because I don't know about how the other teams, how the other leagues in the CHL, the Western Hockey League, and the Quebec, Quebec League is. But I know here it's been a major talk. It's been a major talking point. I feel there's going to be changes with the three stars. I mean, I feel like with all the media involved in it, I feel like it's going to be a major talking point. Here's another thing. Do the fans actually care? Do the fans actually care? Fair I question. I want to tweet that out as a Twitter poll because do fans actually care about three stars? If you go to a game, you care about three stars. Me personally, I don't, but I listen to it. I yeah. talk about it. So that's it. I guess I am. I guess I am intrigued. But well, and that's the thing. You get you get a smaller market than you know some fans. Depending on where you are, fans are heading for the exits, trying to beat the traffic out, which. Again, well, those fans seem to not really give a crap about it, but uh, exactly. it's 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 the people that stick around to hear the three stars afterwards, and you know, kind of try and interact with players. I know the Ice Dogs. I don't know if they do it or doing it again. I'd have to go to another game and actually autograph Jack. Yeah, but like they have the autograph table up uh, up next to the team store after games. Again, not sure if they're doing that yet or when that's coming back or whatever, but um, probably next year. Thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that group of fans that stick around you know, 10, 20 minutes after the games or well, 20 minutes is a little bit of a stretch, but you know, 10, 15 minutes after the game. Yeah. And the cons, I guess to it is if you're going to do three stars and pick three guys from your home team, which I can get, I can, I get that. Right. Picking three stars from the yeah, home you want team to play to the crowd. Of course, the crowd doesn't really exactly care about the road team unless you're a road team fan, right? Exactly, play to the crowd. And the one con to that is when you're on a below average team. What I mean, you lose eight nothing. Who are the three stars going to be from the team that lost eight nothing? All right, first star, the fans spent their money that's the most important thing i mean they're spending <laughs> money and they watched the eight nothing game they deserve their refund yeah in my opinion yeah that's yeah. definitely one star i mean two star number two now. uh the beer cart for being open yep. yeah hey had to <laughs> had to stay open until after the third period puck drop tonight because it was out of hand and third st- third star to the arena staff the workers in the arena Thank you for working in that hostile environment. Yeah, there's the three stars. If you lose eight nothing, because yeah. legit, who are you gonna pick? It it would honestly feel pretty embarrassing to skate out there after you lose eight nothing. Say, hey, yeah, what player's gonna time? skate out on their home ice after losing by eight goals? Yeah, you're the if it's sponsored, yeah, I mean, you better hope they're out there. But if yeah, it's exactly. not. Somebody's monies are on that. Yeah, like if it's not, what player is going to be like? Yeah, I want to go skate out and do my victory lap for being a third star and yeah. a eight nothing loss. Like no. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. That 1920 Niagara Ice Dog season, it was a rough stretch after the trade deadline. 
it was a rough stretch. And there was a couple times where we were down waiting for the media scrum before the puck drop ended. And you could see the players skate off into the dressing room right next to us, right? Cause it's right by like, yeah. where you did a post-game press conferences for the coach or whoever was doing it that night. But you could see how quiet it is. And there's no yeah. way, there is no way a player is going out there after the game. So a couple, a uh, couple of questions about that. If it goes south picking the home team all the time, I guess it's tough. Maybe just announce on social media and hey, get everybody, get all your fans involved. You retweet it, you got a chance to win a stick or a puck. Maybe do it like that. Or you share it on your Instagram game on social media because that's the way the world is now. It's all on social media. But I knew it was going to be a fun talking point because it's tough. Right now, I, know, I mean, it's getting a lot of attention, but I really don't know how much attention it's getting from the fans itself. I think it's more mm-hmm. teams and media drama. I don't think the fans. And you're not another wrong. thing is a lot. Another thing is a con about the three stars, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this one. But a lot of times it says media picking it. It is not media picking it. It's a, you have a bunch of different personal. You have personal decisions in this as well because there's some front office members that pick the three stars. There's GMs that pick the three stars. The other th- the home team GM that is the home team's owner picks the three stars. A lot of times it actually isn't media. So. Yeah, they announce media or from where it's from. A lot, a lot of times, it, it's from a general manager. So, I mean, let's yeah. say the only the only sign attack Wallstorm. It's Monday night. They're, that game's on right now in our background. <laughs> Teresa and I both. When let's say Owen Sound GM is picking the three stars, do you really think they pick a? Do you really think they pick a Guelph Storm over Owen Sound attack? I mean, it's just the way it is, right? And yeah. I don't blame them. It's their decision. They have the power to make the decision. They're obviously going to pick their team. If a GM is picking the three stars, he's obviously going to pick his players. Value's going to go up, right? <laughs> Value's going to go up. So that's why I don't know why media members really get so involved in the three stars because it's a lot of the media members don't even pick them. Yes, there is media members that pick three stars. I'm not saying they don't. They all don't do that. But there are certain teams around the league where it is a front office member that picked the three stars. It's an owner that picks the three stars. It is not a me. It's not a collective decision from all media. It's usually one person. So mm-hmm. that's where it falls to, in my opinion. That's a con as well, because it's not all media picking the three stars. Out of all the venues, I mean, 49 games this year I've been to so far, all 49 in the press box, they are, I don't think it's ever been three stars. I think it's, I don't think there's ever been an opinion. So. It's not media. It's just a one collective person. It's not a bunch of people doing it. So there is a, my thoughts on that as well. It's another con where it's not a multiple decisions, right? It's one person that picks it. And it's a general manager. It's a president of operations. It's a GM. It's an owner. It's one of them. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, another week weekly observation I had, and Morty, you were at the game for this. The specialty jerseys. Um, I've, I've kind of wondered this for a while. And Fan or no? I like the Knights jerseys. They were nice. I did like them. Like the throwbacks. London's come up with some, London's um, come up with some really good jerseys over the last few years. Like, yeah. I'd say in my lifetime. So Except the Spider Knights. Sorry. Those are horrible. Okay, those purple. Oh, yes, terrible. I was just about to say that. I was, Thank you. I was just about <laughs> to say that. Except the purple ones. The comic book game ones. They don't need to do that. They do not need to do but, that. 
if at all, those sales for that game is actually below what they would normally be when they do those specialty jersey night for that, for the purple one. I, I think the biggest thing, no, though, I will fight that because it's not entirely the color and the concept's fault. And this is the point I wanted to bring up. The is, logo? And, and, yeah, kind of. And this is, this is the point I wanted to bring up is, you know, I know fans are, you know, some games they auction them off after the game or they'll put them online and you'll do the auction online. But the screen print doesn't really look that good. Yeah, no, you know, I'm, I, I, again, it's a yeah. cost thing. You don't want to spend more money on something that you're going to wear once, and then especially this year, you're not giving so it away, but you're never going to have it again. So, I from that standpoint, I totally understand. But just the screen print is not up to par for me. I don't, I don't, don't yeah. like it at all. No, you're right. Wednesday night, I thought that those jerseys, those retro jerseys, looked really nice. Those like if they like had a, a stitched retro. logo on there, Not that like would have That would have been nice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I thought Wednesdays, like you said, were I thought they were nice. I thought they looked sharp Wednesdays. I mean, it's kind of like the we saw a couple things on Instagram and Twitter throughout the off season designers making up like reverse retro for OHL. Yeah, and we saw about a couple black ones, like the Knights warm up jerseys as a jersey, which I really like the warm up jerseys. But those those ones they wore on Wednesday against Guelph could be really nice reverse retros. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to keep those like an NHL reverse retro, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. Well, unfortunately, the NHL reverse retro is back next year. Let's see if Detroit has a real Hopefully jersey. Detroit gets new ones. Yeah, and hey, they won't wear that them was twice Steve a year. Go. That was Steve, yeah, on the road. <laughs> yeah, right. Not even at home. <laughs> <laughs> on the road. That's Stevie Y just going into the marketing office saying, okay, I don't care. I have a team to put together. We're in the middle of a rebuild right now. I do not care about a third jersey. We haven't had a third jersey <laughs> in about 40 years. I don't care. Make whatever you want. I approve it. Here, I'll sign it. Go. Send it to Gary. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all that was because those are, yeah, I have one, hideous. but yeah, they weren't, they, yeah, weren't they were great. ugly. I have one, but <laughs> well, I mean, gotta collect the jerseys, gotta collect the Red Wing jerseys. I think I have every jersey that, except the stadium series one in Colorado, which is a nice I, I, I gotta get one of those. Yeah, yeah, I bought mine from those China are... though, it was only like 25 bucks because well, I was not spending well. 250. Exactly, that's why with the reverse retro. You think I would, do you think I would spend? I mean, base value on a reverse retro no. wings jersey? Absolutely not. There's I think no way. say down on my forehead. <laughs> As they move oh, into under the your blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. As I move into the camera. Oh. But yeah, it's definitely, I like those jerseys. A lot of teams are going with a lot of jerseys this year. Owen Sounds wore a bunch of different jerseys mm-hmm. this year, which is really cool. I think it's really good. I, I like the super, I like the, I like those specialty ones they had pre-Christmas. Windsor Spitfires just did an Iron Man theme yes. jersey. I like They've those. They've worn a lot, too. Yeah. Yes, Windsor has worn a ton, too, as well. They have worn a lot this year. Well, they got the anniversary was... jerseys this year as well. Those are nice. I like If they yeah. could bring Windsor... back the jerseys they had the last few years at the barn when Mickey Rano was around, yes, I was a big fan of those. Like If someone has one of those, yeah. I will buy it because yeah, those but... were nice. You know what else? You know, since we're on the topic of jerseys, you know another. You know another jersey that I really like is Kitchener's warm-up jerseys. 
with the, the kit. kit. Yeah, those like, are nice. Like so, yeah, like one. the kit going down across, like the Rangers. It just says kit, and it's yeah. it's all blue, right? Then it's red lettering. Those are mm-hmm. sharp. And then they actually have warm up socks too. They have different socks for warm up, which is odd. Well, I'm also I a big fan. Be. I still love the red jerseys with the soldier on the front for the Rangers. I still those love are great. Those. Yeah, those are great. Great cause, great jersey type. Yeah. Great. Windsor's alternates too. They kind of look like Columbus. Are really nice too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nice jerseys in the league. I like Niagara's too. The blacks, the third the jerseys. Those it are nice. Like Carol- it looks like Carolina. Those are sharp. Those yeah. are sharp. A lot right. of people complain. Oh, it looks like Carolina. This copied Carolina, but those are nice. Those are really yeah. nice jerseys. Yeah. Those, yeah, those are really nice jerseys. I mean, go do your series thing or whatever it is and go have fun. Yeah. But yeah, like Hamilton stealth jerseys, they're not taking those off till so, they lose. Like, they're yeah, gonna get they're the Tigers take- jerseys going at Tim Hortons Field. It's well, that's the question. So, that's the question. They're not taking the stealth jersey. So, they're on a 15 game, they're on a 15 home game winning streak. They're not taking the stealth jerseys off at home. So, Monday, the outdoor game. Are they going to go stealth? I don't think, yeah, no, I think they're going you Tigers. Can't. They're you're going go Tigers. Tigers. But the, the players, I think, all want but stealth. I, I know. The players, they're, they're probably thinking. The player, they want stealth. Yeah. The only thing is, is that'll get rid of Yeah, the only thing that is, it will get rid of the generals blue. The generals would yeah. have to go white. And could you imagine trying to call a game from way up high at Tim Hortons Field with the stealth? No. Those are the hardest jerseys for play-by-play. The color, anyone calling a game, those are the hardest jerseys in the league. To cut. You don't know the numbers are black with white trim, so all you see is a little speck of white or going on the outline of the numbers. And then the last names are all white, I believe it's all white, yeah. But it's hard to tell from way up high in Hamilton because it's a long ways up there. And when the game moves so quick, it's really hard mm-hmm. to tell uh, who's who when you're up high like that and when the numbers are so faded. So it's interesting. Interesting. That's for sure. All right. Uh, we got about three minutes left to go here okay. in the first segment. Just a so, couple more quick observations. Yeah. So um, Mason McTavish is out day to day. I want to quickly touch people out for that. He's day to day. I believe it's a finger thing. At first, I tweeted out it was a risk. That's what I thought because he had a dump in, in that second, in that first period where it went nowhere. And then his wrist almost looked like the Kirby Doc wrist from the world juniors it looked gross it was like pointing down yeah as i showed you but it was like pointing down and like that doesn't look right so alarms are ringing in my head that doesn't look right but apparently it was his finger so he he's out just day to day i would expect him to be back for the outdoor game i don't think he missed that um hamilton by the way starting to rest a couple guys i think they want to get in position now they got games in hand right i think they want to start resting guys i mean nathan stales was a late scratch the other night they have Ryan Winterton was a scratch. They have a couple guys on long-term injury list, but there's some guys there that will be back. It's just maintenance. And I, I believe it's just maintenance. And then Brendan Othman, featured game, you saw that. He's good to go. Um, shout out to his trainer that uh, tweeted me back on that. He is just a, It was just a finger from the fight, but it honestly looked a lot worse when he's looking at his finger. He's holding his hand like, did he do the McDavid? Like, and he fought by the boards. I don't, I don't remember him hitting the boards, but you never know. It's a fight. Things happen quick, right? Uh, but I'm still I mad about that McDavid thing because he injured himself the game yeah. before I went to the Meridian Center to see the Otters and Ice Dogs. Yeah, I was it's so wild. mad. Yeah, and then I have a couple more, Reese. Quickly, um, 
Niagara Ice Dogs. That's a massive win on Sunday over the Mississauga Steelheads. I mean, I've been hard on Niagara this year because there's a rebuild and then it is not a rebuild. And then it's we're in a rebuild, but then we're not. We're going to go trade guys. We're going to go all in, but then we're not, right? We're not. We're hesitant. Um, Josh Rosenswag, though, has been the one bright spot, in my opinion. I think he's your MVP. I think there's another guy where he gets his chance, right? We talked about this throughout the year. Well, we got it. I mean, will they will they move a guy like Gushin? Will they do it? They didn't. Will they move a guy like Betts? They didn't. Will they move a guy like Tynan? Yes, they will. There was always a there was always a feeling right in the start of the year. Well, well how right many discussions our, did we have about how many freaking goaltenders they had? Exactly. Right from training camp, right from our season preview of the Eastern Conference, we said the Niagara Ice Dogs will move a goaltender. It's likely going to be Tucker Time. It was likely going to be that because who else are they going to move? Right? Younger guys are not going to move Costanzo. Just draft them. I mean, you're not going to Yeah, that's that. the thing. Why you're not going to move you just draft them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's nothing against those guys, but they have absolutely no value like, to turn. any other team. Yeah, and if you're going to go for a goaltender, it doesn't matter if the team's in last place. It does not matter. If you're going to make a move for a goaltender, it's got to be at least the team starter, right? Like what Sue did, right? Who are they going to trade? Who has the most value in there? You're talking time. So there's a move. We all knew it was going to come. And then Josh Rosenzweig comes out, gets a starting job. And we were thinking, okay, is it going to be 50-50? No. Rosenzweig got the chance, and he's been lights out. He has been lights out. And similar to Max Donoso in Ottawa, I think Max Donoso has the starting job in Ottawa for next year. If he keeps this up, he has it locked down. I don't think – I think we were looking at – because so here's the point, right? You're looking at like Hamilton. Hamilton goes all in this year. So does Hamilton trade some guys next year? They have a lot of O2s. Ottawa, I believe, has two O2s. I believe it's two. Don't quote me on that. So O2s are the O8s next year. A lot of those OAs will not be back. So they might not have none. So you're looking at Constantine, Winterton for Hamilton, right? Morrison, you're looking at some pretty good O2s. You're looking at some pretty good veteran guys that they will move. So Constantini, right? It would be cool to see him play with his twin brother in Ottawa. But with Donoso playing so well, we're actually looking at it like a typical, maybe a Cranley move out of there because it's Donoso's job and McKenzie will back up. That's the type of things we're looking at. Those really caught my eye. And also, sorry, Tate. Tate Vader from uh, here on Perth out of the Alliance. I think he's a guy that's draft value is going to go up because I've been watching a lot of the power plays around the league. Players aren't in their one-time spots. They're not in the one-time spot anymore. They like to crew, get the puck at the face off, the cruise in, put a little loft on the wrist there and as you're going toward the net, which I like with momentum. But the problem is when you have the guy in the passing and the other dot that passes across, it takes too long. The box is formed. It's formed, so you can't get – the lanes are clogged, so you just pass against the clear. I noticed that a lot on the weekend. Those are a couple observations I had, and a guy like that, Dave Vader, a very, very electric shot. I mean, I think he goes fourth to sixth, but a very, very good shot. Um, puck explodes off a stick. I think he's a guy that might be a dark horse in the draft this year. I wouldn't be surprised if I see him get drafted a little bit higher because of the shot he has. Very good shot. And also, last but not least, Shout out a big congrats. Not a big deal to show guests. Bo Chalzma, 21 goals. Well, in the 20 goal club, I guess, right? For 21. Heck, might as well go for 25. But yeah, what a, what a season he's having. What a season he's having in Barry. He stepped up. He's made the most of his opportunity. I would say when he came into camp, the first time we saw him, I think we saw him the third week of the season in Niagara. It was a Thursday night game. And I remember watching him and he, 
didn't get a lot of opportunities. He's on that third line, but he made plays, right? He made plays on the third line. Then all of a sudden you see him on the top line and he's scoring. He's another one. Get that opportunity. Look how good he is, right? You get guys and get opportunities. Watch how good they perform. And that's when they draft. Because you know how good they are defensively. I mentioned it early on in the show about Brody Crane, Gavin Bryant, Bo Jelson is another one. Bo Jelson has that opportunity. He's not dropping the ball. He has not dropped the ball at all. He's a star. He's going to be a really good hockey player. And they're similar, right? Brody Crane, Gavin Bryant, they get those chances. Watch what happens. Gavin Bryant gets a chance on a Monday night in Owen Sound against Guelph. He has three points, right? He, yes, he got a roughing penalty in the second period. But, hey, when you're up by three and someone takes a liberty at your guy, you got to step in. That's a heads-up play. In my time. I like guys that play tough. Very good players as well. So I just want to quickly shout out Bo Gelsma. Congrats on that. And uh, 25, why not? He'll get there. For sure you will. Yeah. Um, just because I was really curious to see who they were. Ottawa with three O2s uh, this season. Uh, will Cranley being one of them. But, uh, I mean, if you've got a solid solid tandem with Mackenzie and Denoso, yeah, uh, Cranley might not be there. Plus, with him being a sixth-round pick of the St. Louis Blues, uh, yeah. Obviously, a couple more options for him there. Uh, of course, Anthony Costantini. And back. And then up front, it is Cameron Tolnai. Yeah, Tolnai. Cool. Yeah. So, what are the chances of getting Costantini will be back? But, right? Tolnai yeah. is a good hockey player. Tolnai can be a guy that goes to the A. Like, they, there's, like, it's going to be questionable. Ottawa is going to be good next year. I think Ottawa is really good this year. I mean, back will be there. Boucher will be back, I would imagine. I mean, I don't see him making Ottawa, so he'll be back. So, well, Tolnai, of course, former sixth overall pick in the Ontario Hockey League. So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. They're going to have an interesting, they're going to have one heck of an offseason, the Ottawa 67s. They're, I mean, they're not out of it by any means, they're not, but their future next year looks very, very bright, in my opinion. Mm hmm. All right, time for a break. Only 21 minutes and a bit until we round out the show. Uh, coming up after the break, we will get into the suspensions from the past week. Uh, the over-under for goaltender wins. Uh, we'll do the top 10 guys as of March 7th at 9 o'clock at night. Uh, and then, of course, we'll get to our featured game, which will be outdoors. The Generals and Bulldogs going to do it at Tim Hortons Field. So all of that and more coming up next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Get through the boring stuff first. Uh, suspensions uh, in the Ontario Hockey League this past week. Assistant coach for the Oshawa Generals, Curtis Foster, gets two games. Uh, he will be back behind the bench March 11th. Uh, two guys who are playing, Jake Uberti, uh, March 3rd, gets a two-game suspension. Uh, he'll come back March 12th. And Nolan Collins on March 4th. Um, a play receiving two games as well. March 11th, he will return to the Sudbury Wolves lineup. 
Well, it's nice to see the two gamers come back, especially you look at more recent ones, 15, 10, 10, 8, all back down to two. Okay. Not as bad. Yeah. Collins, Collins was a slew foot for sure. He received a match. Jakey yeah. Birdie, it happened in the Hamilton game on Thursday. I believe it was a slew foot because that's the only thing I can think of. Unless I missed something, but I you didn't get a penalty for anything. You didn't get a penalty for the slew foot if that was the case. So I don't know what it was, but you got two games. So must have been it must have been something along those lines. It was a pretty bad play on Nathan's face. It was a slew foot. He had the back, he had the neck jerk back and everything. And it was one of those where you where we used to see like six games, but two's a generous one if it's for that. Yeah. There was no penalty on that play. So how what how many games can you give a guy when they're wasn't even penalized for it in the game? So it's kind of a question. Yeah. All right. Uh over under top ten guys in the league for wins. Top ten goaltenders, I should say. Uh, um we might as well include Patrick Lever. He's tied for 10th. Yeah, we'll get it 17. Um, we'll go 25 so, for those guys. For under 20. Yeah, for under 20, we'll go 25, the over-under. Um, and then as we get into like the early 20s, we'll go to 30. And then for Brochu, we'll go to 40. <laughs> yeah. We can even put Cavalin in 40. Put yeah, him in that range as Flynn's well. played a lot of games, but yeah. True. That's it. That's an interesting one, though. That's an interesting one because he's going to play a lot down the stretch. Just because they played a lot of games doesn't mean he's not going to play yeah. more games because he's going to play a lot because they got to ride him, especially with the games in hand, right? They got to win. The, they got to win now because they got teams with games in hand on them. So mm-hmm. they got some big ones coming up. So that's important as well. Yeah. All right. We will start with Patrick Lever of the Oshawa Generals. 17 wins uh, so far. He's played in 37 games for the Oshawa Generals. Yeah, 37 games, so he gets the starting job there now. Um, I would assume uh, it's a tough one, right, because it started there. It was similar to Guelph, right, and you don't see Owen Bennett or Jacob Oster on there because they split time there. Middle of the season, they split a lot of time. Yeah, nobody's as fortunate as – Yeah, nobody's as fortunate as – well, and even you think about it in wins of Joe Ranger and Roman Bazrin. Um, They have made – they probably have the yeah. best stats like, in terms of goals against and save percentage, say, but wins aren't there. I would say now. I would say now it's Rangers net to lose in Mississauga due to the. I mean, the save percentage for Badgerns kind of took a hit, eight ninety seven. That's a tough one, but for what he would like. Yeah. But then you look at Marilyn for what we saw earlier on in the year. Yeah, then you look at Marilyn. He's third and wins with an eight eight eight. But Patrick Lever seventeen wins. I would say he gets 25. Oshawa's going to win some games. Oshawa's going to win games. He's obviously their starter now. Papazakis will get time. That's a thing where it could split. That's a thing where it could change real quick. Because Papazakis, we know what he is. We know if he's hot, he's he's great. Right? But it's just that in between. So that's tough. I say, you know what? I'll change that. I say he gets under 25. I say he gets like 20, 23, 24. I mean, it's not a lot, right? It doesn't look like a lot, but when if Papasakis gets hot at the right time, right? Yeah. They split. Yeah. They split. You're not gonna win every game, right? So that's I mean, let's say combined they get six, that's pretty good. So well, the Oshawa Oshawa Generals too as well, only sixteen games to go for them. They have played fifty two. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I say I, I, I agree with you. I will get some wins. Yeah, I say I like agree. 23, 24, just under. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy ahead of him, or tied with him, I guess, uh, Owen Sound, Nick Chenard. 17, does he get to 25? So that's the thing. So Owen Sound, they're sitting at 24 wins. Are they going to be the team that joined the line of Knights to have, what is it? What was it? Like 20, is it 10 straight or 20 straight with uh, 30 straight with 30 wins? I should know that stat. That bugs me because I haven't written out. I just forget how many years it's been. I know they've had, I know them in London have the longest streak with 20 wins or with 30 wins. So they're at 24, I said. Yep. Yeah. So they're at 24 wins. That's all. I mean, just above they're probably going to, they're probably going to get it. I really like Chenard's game. I'm going to say he gets 25. I'm going to say he gets it. But then again, I guess. Yeah, I think I, he's going to stay under 25. Um, I think the top four are too good. I think they are – they're all going to get hot at some I'm, point in the next week. Uh, the Sioux then, Greyhounds, like, they're all over 500. The Greyhounds are at 500 at 4-4-2. Four, four, um, so well, they're all moving in the dire- right direction. So, But when you look at their schedule – they play Kitchener a few more times. They play Erie. Those are no walk in the parks. I mean, Erie's a really good team. They're underrated. But then they play Saginaw a few more times. There's wins so Those there. Saginaw games, those are they – play, They play Sarnia. Must win. Those are, those are win, right? Those are winnable games, but will they? We saw Owen Sound win, win the games against the Guelphs, but then go have a stinker against a Saginaw. We have saw that this year where it's been hit and miss. So that's the thing, and that's going to happen, right? Young team, it's going to happen. But I said, yeah, I think he gets 25. All right, number nine, Mississauga Steelheads, the former product of the Western Hockey League, Roman Bazarin. He's got 18 wins on the year. <clears throat> Mississauga has 14 games left to go. No, he doesn't get 25. Yeah, it's Joe Rangers, Matt. Yeah. Right, Ranger right now is a starter. No, yeah, twenty. That's an easy one. Yeah, maybe twenty-three. Yeah, maybe. Number eight, Sudbury Wolves. Mitchell Weeks. Ninth surprising. Surprise. This might be the surprise. When sorry. This might be the surprise in the mix. Mitchell Weeks. When you look at Sudbury's record, you do not expect that. Mm-hmm. Are we say we'll say twenty-five still because he's under, and with the games played, I think five's a lot easier for especially for Sudbury with the with the games played, fifty-three games played, right? Yeah. Ah, it's tough. It's really hard to tell what it is. I say, I say he doesn't, but it's really close. It's going to be close. I say he gets twenty-four. Say, yeah, he's got to be very important for that Wolves team. Two points out of a playoff spot, but three games played more than the Peterborough Peets. So, yeah, if they're going to get into the playoffs, he's going to have to win. There's no room for error for the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, That's basically what it comes down to. That's basically what it comes down to. Are they going to make the playoffs or not? If you think they are, they're going to get. Yeah, he's going to get 25 if they're going to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, then he probably won't. Yeah. Just the way it is. 
this one also is kind of not off the board, but where they are in the standings and the start mm-hmm. they had, really. Uh, Nolan Lalonde oh. tied. Lalonde's been really sharp with weeks, 19 wins on the year. Uh, he's played in 40 games this season. Erie Otters, of course, they are currently in ninth place in the Western Conference, just one point behind the Sarnia Sting, and they've played 49 games, so 19 to go for the Otters. That's 19, the 19 games thing, I think he gets it. I think it's 25. I think the Erie Otters are making the playoffs. I already said that. I wouldn't be surprised if they went around. I'm not going to bank it on it that they're going to win around, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I they at least competed for one. I think they built. Yeah, I think I don't. I think they play over at least. At, at least they play six games in a series. Mm-hmm. At least six minimum. I mean, mm-hmm. they're really doggy. They're built all the way around. You look at their roster. I mean, Nolan Lalonde. You're going to question their goaltender. They have a goalie that's ranked seventh in the Ontario Hockey League. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a. They're not. They. They're good. They have good defense. And here I go in the rant again about Erie because they are good. They are a good team. Yes, he gets twenty five. I was going to say the save percentage is a little distracting away from how good he actually is. An 878 save percentage for Lalonde. Yeah. He's got 19 wins, which is seventh best. So if he's winning, who gives a crap, right? Um, yeah. Uh, number six, nice Hamilton Bulldogs starter. Marco, sorry. sorry. Nicest, nicest pads in the league, too, by the way, in my opinion. Yeah. They are nice. Are I'll sharp. give them that. Yeah. Those are sharp. Uh, number six, Marco Costantini. He's got 20. Are we bumping it up? Are we going to 30 now? Or it's tough. 10 it's wins for Costantini. Yeah. They played 49 games, Hamilton. Hamilton's on a roll. Well, and like you said, if they're resting guys, Costantini yeah. and Drobak are gonna split. Yeah, but the thing is you can't rest that is too early. Now it's I mean, the fact that people are talking about that. Yeah. Now it's kind of too early. I mean, in 19 games remaining in the season, there's I think a you lot look at it with 10 or less. Exactly. Yeah. So <sighs> that's hard. Unless you're pulling the Golden State Warriors mentality, eh, we'll get in and we'll be fine. We'll do the Kawhi thing. We'll play every other game. We won't play back to box. That yeah. literally, literally, you can think of like basically every goal in the top 10 that could apply for that and get it. Yeah. But I think he gets 25. 30 might be a stretch, but I think he for sure gets 25. Yeah, I think he gets over 25 as well. I think 30 is maybe out of reach at this point. But, um, yeah, he's around 27, 28. I agree with that. Uh, In the fifth spot, he's got 22 wins, so we're going to bump up the over-under to 30 for the the next three guys for sure. Uh, Matt Guzda. 22 wins on the year. The numbers are stellar. 276 goals against average. Save percentage of 912. Yeah. Um, it's hard. They, position. they have games like in hand. Yeah. They have, game, they they have, have 20 games game. to go. Yeah. They have games to be played. But Barry's one of those teams similar to Owen Sound where you see them get hot, right? Okay, there we go. We, we establish we get about five wins in a row, and then we lose five in a row. Yeah. And – there's a chance that happens again. Obviously, we don't know. Obviously, there's a chance, but uh, I think he gets 29 or 30. I think if any guy has a chance to get eight wins in the next 20 games, it's him. It's him. Yeah. I say. Obviously, Barry's got to play well in front of him, but 
Can I Cardwell say, will come back eventually. Yeah. Can I say 28 to 30? Like 28 to 30 in that range? Okay. 28 to 30. Yeah. Yeah. 28 to 30. Uh, in That's the number four year. spot. Oh, yeah. For sure it is. Moving teams midseason, then having yeah. Gary do what they did, and you're thinking, what? But Yeah, it was kind of odd. Retool, I would think. It, it wasn't a rebuild, but it's a retool. Uh, in the fourth spot, Joe Verbetica, the North Bay Battalion. 23 wins on the season. Wow. Oh, wow. That was... 54 games well, played. Man. 54 games played, 14 games left. Seven wins in 14 games. In seven, 14 seven. games, I think he plays 12 of them. So, yeah. I think he gets no. it. Really? I think he gets 30 on the dot. Okay, I say 28, North Bay just has to keep winning. They, Kingston's right on their t- – maybe not right yeah, on their t- have to five win. points back with four games in yeah. hand, but North Bay has to keep winning. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10. And I think he starts 12 of the last 14. Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to have to. But, like, those are things that now we're getting into the nitty-gritty where it's like they got to win games. Yeah. They need – Well, everybody so has gonna, to win games gotta, right now. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. Exactly. We keep saying so, that, but it's like, wait, so is who this doesn't team have gonna to win? win games? What? Is this team – yeah, but the thing is – my point is, is, are they going to win? Are they going – like, is it going to happen? Do I like the team to win or not? That's the thing. It's more of a personal preference on the Fair. team itself. You look at wins, right? So I think he gets 28, 29, just under. It'll be close, though. It's definitely going to be close. I like Perbetic. I think he's a good goalie. Good length, good structure. Uh, in third and wins, 24, Levy Marilinen. He has played 42 games this season for the Kingston Frontenacs. Frontenacs have 18 games to play this down the stretch. Ooh, I think he gets it. I think it's. I think he gets it. So do I. Yeah, I think, I think Kingston passes North Bay. Games yeah. in hand, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he gets thirty easily. I, 31, 32 range. I'll get. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, for this man, we'll bump it up to thirty-five. Luke Cavill yeah. into the Flint Firebirds. Twenty-seven wins so far this season. He's played in 43 games. The Flint Firebirds continue to lead the Western Conference. 70 points, four more than the London Knights. Knights, of course, with those five games in hand. But what are the odds he gets eight wins in the next 15 games? Decent odds, but when you look at your schedule, it's tough. And I can tell you right now, Flint's going to play like, that on Sunday, how to do for the featured game? They're gonna go into the body and get two points easily mm-hmm. on Friday. If Flint plays like how they did yesterday, it will be a coming out party. It'll be like what Riley McCourt said on the show back two summers ago now when he came on and mentioned about that was the win that changed their season. That was the win that changed their that put them on the map, and it did. It did. They went into the Budweiser Gardens and walked all over the nights, and. That's a game where if the Flint Firebirds play like how they did, use it, if they open the ice like that, they will have the London Knights on their heels big time because London likes to play up and aggressive with their D. It's not as bad as Hamilton where everyone's going up, but they are active. And 
Flint's a team where they bounce right back with it, right? They're going to have Kuzin up in the rush. If they can't defend those odd man rushes, they're going to get picked apart. I think Kavlin, I think he gets it. I, I really do. I think he gets I think he gets 35 because I like Flint. I think they're a good team. But with those games, it's going to be tough. I'll say 35. I, say, I got to say it. I booked it. I was going to say, he, he could get to this feat and London could still pass. Could still pass that's, the Firebirds. Yeah. It's just with the with five games, that's that's why I'm looking at the games. Like that's why I'm looking at their schedule too. And yeah. I see and I see that Friday. That's a good that's a big game. That's a big game. That's a four point game with games in hand, games played over at London, I guess. So mm-hmm. that's a massive game. I I gotta take it back. I say 34. I say 34. The games, the games played to the team really got me. I mean yeah. have a good backup too, but I gotta I I'll say 34. Yeah, I'm right around there as well, 33, 34. Uh, obviously, I think he has a shot to get 35, but I don't think yeah. he would get there. Those games played, yeah. Um, all right, Brett Brochu, over under 40 wins on the year, 29 <laughs> as we're talking right now. The London Knights have 20 games tough. to go. He needs 11 wins if he plays all he plays games. So here's an over under. Does he play 18 over here? I was going to say, yeah, might as well put that too. I think over under he plays, he plays more than 16. I think. Yeah. I he mean, plays around 17 right? games, I think left. I mean, out of the 20, you see, you see tonight, Kitchener tomorrow, you see Sarnia, you see Friday Flint. They play, they're going to play five games this week. The nights. That's a lot of hockey. Um, do they get it? Does he get it? Uh, this week, I can see him playing at least three or four. Yeah. Uh, is that your answer? <laughs> Give yours. I can't think of one. It's just tough. But like I said, I think Dale Hunter's going to put him out there for well, 16 for sure. or 17 of those 20 games. Eleven. I think he gets eleven. I think he gets eleven wins for forty. I think the rest of their team has to step up as well. I think they have to be a lot better defensively in front of them. But if they're not, well, you can say goodbye to forty. But I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say thirty-eight. I'm saying under. A lot. The games are starting to get tighter, right? Structures start. It's starting to be all structure, right? Make sure you have your guy gap control, which is going to help him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he—I don't think he does. I think honestly, sometimes I watch him, and there's a lot of holes. And I'm not—I'm not cutting him up. I'm just saying that sometimes there are games where there's a lot of holes in the net where he faces 25 shots and gives up five goals. I don't see that as a quality night. I mean. A guy like that, he was at the World Juniors. I mean, Hunter Jones was a World Junior cut. And I mean, how often did he give up five goals? Right? It rarely happened in Peterborough a couple of years ago. So one night, though, he looks unreal. One night, you can tell why. He's technically square the shooter, but it just depends. And you're going to get that from Brett Bruce. That's just the way he is. That's the personality. Uh, but that's why I go on there. I say 38. I hope he does, though. That'd be really cool for the league. A 40 win goal. I mean, you play 68 games, you had a goal that was 40. The fact that we're even talking about that's pretty wild. But I just think he's tired. I think 
we played a lot of hockey, and I just I just think no, I think thirty eight. But by the way, this ain't be the first time in my twenty three years of life that the London Knights forwards actually look small. I've never saw a Dale Hunter team so small up front, which is odd. Usually you see, and that's how you know the game's changing, right, to a skilled game, and you see a Dale Hunter team that's not very big size. Their defense are huge. Their defense are big. I was going to say, yeah, but take they, nothing away from forward. that. Up front, though, it's weird, the difference. Like, it's odd. It's like two different teams. I just noticed that on Wednesday night when I was watching London, I just noticed that, that it's odd. How I don't think I've ever saw a team that's like that small before up front, a Dale Hunter coach team. Kind of odd because it's not really what they are, right? A lot of the have always had that third line, they're big checkers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they go pay, they go overpay for a guy like mean, Carbonara. I mean, they'll do that, but just the way it is. I mean, Chandler Yakimovich, he was there. I mean, Michael McCarron. You're so used to seeing big forwards there in London where this year it's like they don't really have that. So that's one point that really caught my eye as well. I wanted to add that at the start. And I just completely forgot. Until now, so just want to add that as well. Uh, all right, that's our over under for goaltender wins. Um, if you disagree or you agree, let us know. That'd be awesome. Again, at the yeah. 0 six. Oh, there we go. At the OHL and sixty podcast, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, quickly we'll get to the player and goaltender of the week before we hit the break and uh, give a little bit of a preview on the outdoor game happening at Tim Hortons Field. Player of the week is Sarnia Sting forward Theo Hill. He had nine assists in three games. Uh, the Sting had a couple of wins over the weekend. Uh, also in consideration for the award, Marco Sikic, his Sarnia Sting teammate. Uh, he had seven points, two goals, five assists in three games, as well as Barry Colts forward Evan Veerling. He had three straight two-point games, five goals, one assist, 3-0. and with the Barry Colts as well, I might add. To the goaltender of the week from the Hamilton Bulldogs, Marco Costantini takes home the honors. He had a .96 goals against average, a .962 save percentage, going 2-0 this past weekend. He stopped 50 of 52 shots. Of course, the Bulldogs stretching that win streak to nine games. Also in consideration for the award, for the award, uh, we talked about him earlier on in terms of over/under for wins for him. Owen Sound attack goaltender Nick Chenard, uh, he was three and 167 goals against average, save percentage of nine thirty three. Also had a twenty seven save shutout against the Spirit on Saturday, as well. Michael Simpson of the Peterborough Peets, he was three and a two point three three goals against average and a save percentage of nine. 27. All right, time to hit the break. When we come back, we will round out the show and get you all set for the outdoor show showcase. Tim Hortons Field, Generals and Bulldogs. We will chat about that next here on the OHL and 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. The day is fast approaching. Monday, March 14th. 
Tim Hortons Field. Seven o'clock puck drop between the Oshawa Generals and Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, we'll make it quick. We're going to do it from Tim Hortons Field. We'll do the game day preview again. Again, we'll post that on our YouTube channel, uh, the OHL and 60 podcast. What are we expecting, Wardy? Outdoors. Well, Should be fun. Here we go. So here we go. Might as well. So here's the thing. There's a lot of ifs still about that. I mean, ticket sales are great. I know they expanded two other sections today. So the ticket sales are pretty good. I think it's above what they expect. If they're expanding, if they're now selling more tickets like and opening up other sections, I think that's pretty good. I think that's ahead of schedule. But a lot comes down to the NHL game. It's really the only way it happens if it's nice on the Sunday for the NHL game. Because here's the thing. The NHL, the NHL game, if it snows or rain, like if they have to postpone it, they, they get their makeup night is Monday. So that would postpone the game, and that would move that Hamilton-Oshawa game indoors at First Ontario Center, which I hope doesn't happen. I hope it's good weather. But that's a, that's a possibility. If there's a rain out for the game itself or for the NHL game, I believe it will go inside at First Ontario Center, which would be cool to see that arena packed. But that's the one um, that's the one thing about that that I wanted to mention, but that's an emergency. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But as we look, Sunday, 40% chance of snow. And Monday, March fourteenth, seventy percent chance of rain. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hey, hopefully it changes. Right, we're away. We're six days a week. Six days a week away. Holy dot calling. But here we go. This is going to be interesting. I hope it doesn't. I mean, it's going to be such a great experience. I think. I mean, Oshawa is bringing down a couple fan buses from from their arena. It's going to be a really cool event. It might be the biggest event outside of the finals in the Memorial Cup the OHL has had ever. Possibly CHL. Yeah. Possibly CHL. It will be a massive day in the history books for the Ontario Hockey League next week, next Monday. And I can't wait. It's going to be a really cool experience. Bundle up if you're going. If you're going, come say hi. Let's have an event out of it. Yeah. Let's have an event out of it. Yeah, we will be around there for sure. And uh, yeah, just take it all in. Again, you don't have to wear a Bulldogs jersey. You don't have to wear a General's jersey. You're from the league. Uh, it'd be nice to wear an, o- an OHL jersey. But, wear your team. Um, wear your like, team. Yeah, ma- make this a Grey Cup-like event. You know, Nobody yeah. cares who you cheer for in the Grey Cup. That's if you're there the wearing a CFL jersey supporting the league, that's all they care about. And that's what we want to see. We want to see as many OHL jerseys as possible. Yeah, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of Bulldogs gear, but... Um, yeah, if we, I'm sure there will be a few ice dogs jerseys there, a few, maybe Mississauga ice dog jerseys for the true OHL roots fans. Like, oh, some throwbacks. Like, I hope we get to see some Knights jerseys, some Rangers, I see jerseys, some Kitchener, yeah. Storm, like they're all around that area. Yeah. Let's which is it. why I it's mean, the best spot for it. In my opinion. Yeah. Let's celebrate the league. Right? Let's yeah. celebrate the league. Like what your team's jersey? If you're not a fan of those teams. Wear, wear those. Just yeah. wear it. Wear your team. No Leafs jerseys. Celebrate the league. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Although Don't we are here, guy. we are. We will be there for anyone who feels the need to wear a uh, Team Canada Steve Eiserman jersey. Hey, that's a jersey of the year. Big fans. Of, we were big fans of that uh, when we saw it at First Ontario big Center time. a couple weeks ago. So we're in for that. If you want to wear a Steve Eiserman jersey, go for it because that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the show for this week. Again, 
Make sure you follow along Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our featured game of the week. Hoping is outside. Rain yeah, can go so. away. Uh, Tim Hortons Field, the 14th of March, 7 o'clock puck drop between the, between the Generals and Bulldogs. Exciting. It's the week of. It's the week of. We've been counting down. It's the week of, finally. And also, next week's show will be out Thursday. Yeah, so we're going to do all everything that we're going to do at Tim Hortons Field on Monday. Uh, the show will be recorded on the Wednesday following the game, and we'll have it released Thursday just in time for the weekend. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun, fun week. Excited to get outdoors. That's going to be yeah. cool. That's if you haven't really bought cool. tickets and you're in the area, go to the game. It'll be Do awesome. it. It's cheap. It's cheap. compared. Yeah. We already went through that. Compared to the NHL game, it's cheap. Better value, I think, too, for, for the sure game. Is. So, I mean, the Buffalo Sabres have played good this year against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that was a nice five-one victory about a week ago. Good times. Yeah, so it might be maybe good, less than a week, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the OHL game. That's our show. That's what we live for. Excited for that one. Yeah, should be a fun one. We will chat in longer than seven days. Everybody enjoy the outdoor game. We will chat on Monday on our YouTube page at the OHL in sixty podcast. <laughs>